This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, This past Sunday, we had our first live streaming of worship services and, uh, well, service. We just did one for now as the first time, but it went well, I think. Um, Different, very different, but it is needful. So, well, hopefully, Lord willing, it won't have to go on too much longer. We will be keeping our services canceled for this Wednesday and next Sunday. So I'll be streaming those. I'm gonna. I'm planning on streaming Wednesday night a, a Bible study, and then Sunday morning, Lord willing, uh, everything goes well. We'll have a Bible study probably Sunday morning if people want to join that. Or I, I probably won't do a Bible study Sunday morning. We'll do the, ser- the regular sermon service Sunday morning, and I'll do a Bible study that will stream on Sunday night. Maybe we'll we'll do that. But I'm gonna have an email sent out to our con- congregants here at North Valley uh, about all those things. Well, I uh, <clears throat> had to go uh, pick up a few groceries. Was that yeah yesterday? And uh, you know, kept my I did social distancing. I went to Costco. They even had signs talking about keep six feet away from folks. They had a a system set up for how you would get into lines and don't touch and, and whatnot, which is understandable. And I'm glad I'm glad for it. But the attitude of folks has been fan. And to be honest, I was worried that it wasn't going well because I'm reading the news is all I really had. And you read the news and you, you you get this idea that everything's going horrible and we're all just hating each other and tearing each other apart. Man, I went out there and went to Costco and I went to Walmart because, I mean, I, you know, Walmart because Walmart didn't have everything. That's why I went to Costco. And people's attitudes were great. I mean, very patriotic, too. Uh, very patriotic folks wanting America to get through this, and they're handling it so well from what I see. I'm sure, and the Walmart employee told me, she said, everyone's been wonderful in the store. She said, uh, literally, there's that 2%, of course, that's always kind of crazy and, and gets angry that you don't have stuff. And just 2%, that is fantastic, I think. But like she said, and many others I I talked to, we're going to get through this, and we're going to be stronger for it. Just like James talks about in the beginning of his letter, that uh, we grow by trials, uh, rejoice in our trials because of what it produces for us. And an article that Guy Orbison wrote years ago came to my mind uh, this morning. He titled it Enemies of Love. And I remember the article started off, he he talked about the FBI. And so I looked it up, and it was the year 1949. A reporter from the International News Service, he went to the FBI, and he asked for a list of what he called the toughest guys that the FBI would like to capture. A list was ultimately given to the reporter, He wrote up a story that appeared in a lot of newspapers, 
It created such a positive publicity for the FBI that J. Edgar Hoover decided it would be a good idea to continue such a list. So on March 14, 1950, the 10 most wanted list was born. Been a lot of folks on that list. Uh, I don't know how many total been captured up to this point, but I, I looked it up online just to see where they're at with it and looked at each person on that 10 most wanted list, looked at their photos and what they might look like today and what they've done. A little shocked to see two folks on the top 10 from Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, man. But they were there. And Guy had this list that he put together called the Enemies of Love, the the top 10 enemies of love. So here it is. And we're going to put this in order, okay? The number one enemy of love. And love is what gets us through difficult times, having the right kind of attitude. That's the attitude that we choose. And the number one enemy of love is hatred. When you hate someone... You feel, what is that, extreme enmity toward them. It brings on certain negative actions, doesn't it, toward them, those that we might despise. And it can produce a a kind of vengeful attitude toward uh, folks who uh, that we hate so that we want to somehow, I don't know, get even. And in the Bible, we find hatred in lists that depict wrong attitudes and behavior, like over in 2 Timothy 3.3. In that list of sins that characterize the world of iniquity that Timothy would face uh, and that we face today. Titus 3.3, it's found in the list of things that once characterized our lives before we were Christians. And so, hatred is an enemy of Christians and of Christian love. That's because hatred is an, an, an emotional attitude and that it seeks to do its worst, right, toward whatever object it is that we're hating. Now, when agape love is seeking to do, or it seeks to do the best for someone, if you got that kind of attitude, that's it's going to do the best. So hatred is the opposite of that. That's why it's number one. And since we cannot seek to do your worst for someone and at the same time do the best for them, that means... We cannot harbor hatred for an individual and love them at the same time. Hatred can be very, very, or it is, not can be, it is very devastating to our Christian walk. Listen to these scriptures found all throughout 1 John. I'm just going to read them one after another. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And then this final verse. If someone says, I love God... And hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So number one on our list, 
hatred, the enemy of love. Number two, enemy of love, jealousy. That has to do with feelings of rivalry. It leads to hostility towards anyone that you might consider to be your rival. With jealousy, you begrudge any advantage that someone might have over you, and you will react negatively toward any of their successes. Jealous, uh, jealousy hinders love by leading some folks to, to render some kind, I don't know, some unloving act, or how's a good way to put it. And when Paul went to Thessalonica, he preached in a Jewish synagogue. He had good, great success in converting some people. And then there at, uh, in Acts 17.5, it says, But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. And coming upon the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out to the people. Jealousy generally causes people to take some action that is intended to do harm to one who is considered to be a rival. Jealousy is number two on our list of enemies of love. Do you have these things? Hatred, jealousy, number three, prejudice. A prejudice is a preconceived judgment or opinion. Don't don't think of prejudice as oh I'm not racist you know towards somebody. No prejudice can be anything, and in this case, it's a preconceived judgment or opinion. Uh, it is usually an adverse or a negative opinion that is wrong. We are all aware how people can be prejudiced against other races, but prejudice can pop up in all kinds of circumstances. If a preacher told you I was liberal, then you might form the wrong opinion of me and have a a prejudice against me. Or if you grew up thinking that all overweight folks are lazy, then that would affect the way you see people who are overweight, right? And so prejudice becomes an enemy of love by wrongfully pronouncing judgments against people. Of course, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 1, Do not judge lest you be judged, right? And when Paul wrote his letters to the Corinthians, he had to deal with some accusations against him that were prejudiced in the minds of some within that congregation. That's over in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So hatred, number one. Number two, jealousy. Number three, prejudice. Enemies of love. Number four, fear. Now, we we know what this one is. That has to do with being afraid and expecting the worst to happen. We do a lot of strange things out of fear, right? Like buying toilet paper. Come on, folks. You're exhibiting fear if you're hoarding toilet paper. Now, I understand why you might be doing that, if some of you are out there doing it, but why? What, what is that doing? What good is that in that this current time and need? Or over-hoarding the things you, you don't really need? Fear. Adam and Eve hid themselves out of fear of discovery. King Saul disobeyed God in taking over Samuel's duties to offer a sacrifice out of fear 
of the people abandoning him. King David had Uriah the Hittite killed in battle out of fear that his sin with Uriah's wife Bathsheba would be discovered. Love and fear, then, are not compatible. Fear as an enemy works against love. John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. If you are afraid to face God in judgment, then you do not have a relationship based on love. In like manner, if a wife is afraid of her husband, can there be real love in that relationship? Huh. Hatred, jealousy, prejudice, fear. Number five, pride. Pride is an inordinate self-esteem. It is an arrogant conceit. Pride is found in a list of evil things that Jesus gives in Mark 7.22. And John writes in 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. It can hinder us from extending love to one another. We can become too proud to associate with those who are less fortunate than ourselves. We can be too proud to ask forgiveness when we've done wrong, or even to grant forgiveness to those who have done us wrong. Pride is an attitude of the world, and it must not be an attitude among God's people. James quotes from Proverbs 3.34 saying, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble, James 4.6. And Peter repeats the same quote in 1 Peter 5.5, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. So, if we're going to extend Christian love, We cannot let pride get in the way, right? Right. Enemies of love. Number six, strife. Strife is just bitter conflict between Christian brothers. It has to do with the the arguments and the fights that we have among ourselves. It's found in numerous listings of sinfulness, Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 13, 2 Corinthians 12, Galatians 5, 1 Timothy 6, Titus 3, all over the place. And strife is certainly a hindrance to love because how can you love one another if you're fighting with one another? And that certainly doesn't make sense for the Christian who claims they are following Christ. The the, the Corinthians had a problem with strife, right? Paul told them it was because uh, they were still fleshly there in 1 Corinthians 3, 3. For you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not fleshly. Are you, uh, are you not fleshly? 
And are you not walking like mere men? So there's two of the top ten enemies of love right there, jealousy and strife. Strife might be the biggest hindrance to love among Christians in the 21st century. Strife. We need to think about that. Number seven, lies. Lies. A lie is just saying and promoting something that is not true. You cannot build relationships of love on lies. There was a man that lied to the woman he wanted to marry. He said that his parents were dead and that he had never loved another woman. His bride found out after they had been married for 20 years that his parents were alive and that he had been married before. Her love for him was challenged and strained. Lying of any sort should not be named among Christians. It is of the devil, not God, John 8, 44. And Paul exhorts the Ephesian Christians to put lying aside. There in Ephesians 4, 25, Paul wrote, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Paul is emphasizing the fact that Christians are like members within our physical body. Can you imagine what would happen if the members of your physical body lie to one another? <laughs> the other day, maybe my stomach lied to my head and the rest of the body. And the head asked the stomach if it could handle some Mexican food late at night. Sure, the stomach said. Break it on down. Enjoy yourself, right? Later that night, the stomach started complaining. Because it lied. And because of the lie, the whole body was affected. Nobody likes the stomach that night. In the same way, lying affects our relationships with one another in the body of Christ. Let's not have that enemy of love. Number eight, distrust. Distrust means that you don't have confidence in someone. When you distrust someone, you take the worst possible view of whatever they tell you. If you distrust your child and they are hours late coming home, you probably won't believe their story about running out of gas. Apparently, it was distrust of God that forced the ten spies of Israel to give such a bad report to Moses and the children of Israel on taking the promised land. God had already promised to fight their battles, didn't he? And to take the land. But these men trusted their eyes more than God. They saw people like giants and huge fortifications of the cities. Their only thought was that by comparison to the nations in that promised land, Israel was grasshoppers. This, this no confidence in the power of God led to a breach in Israel's relationship with God. In fact, that generation of God's people were condemned not to enter the promised land. So, distrust can work against loving relationships. Paul's description of love in 1 Corinthians 13, there he tells us that love believes all things. 
Remember that? Love believes all things. This seems to carry the idea that you would give people you love the benefit of the doubt. When you hear something derogatory about them, give them the benefit of the doubt. But if we don't have confidence in someone, we're going to believe the worst. So distrust works against our relationships of love. Number nine, disunity. Disunity is the result of disagreements. And these disagreements can lead to congregational splits. And, of course, all of this indicates that there is a lack of love in our relationships. Christians are supposed to be people who get along with one another. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and there be no divisions among you, but you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Jude wrote, These, uh, these are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoted, uh, uh, minded, devoid of the Spirit. The Spirit seems to mean here the Spirit of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ and the Spirit of Christ in our hearts, then we will be people who exhibit love, not disunity. And Jesus said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love for one another. Hatred, jealousy, prejudice, fear, pride, strife, lies, distrust, disunity, and number ten, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy means to put on an act. The original word in our uh, New Testament is the word for actors. And so you're being a hypocrite. You're not showing who you really are. If the hypocrite says, I love you, how can we believe him? So hypocrisy is an enemy of love and a hindrance to loving relationships. And the Bible exhorts us to, to genuineness in love. Let love be without hypocrisy, Romans 12, 9. 1 Peter 1, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. In every relationship, there will be some kind of enemy that will attempt to intervene and extinguish love. It can happen in Christian relationships, but it also happens between husbands and wives, as well as the parents and their children. We can see these enemies working to separate good friends, and they also attempt to hinder our relationship with God. In Romans 8, 31 to 39, we have a whole new list of enemies of love. But these are those things in life that try to come between us and God's love for us. And Paul is saying that no matter what happens in his life, he will never be convinced that God doesn't love him. And he will never be distracted from loving God. Paul recognizes that some of the negative things that happen to us in this world can become enemy of love that will attempt to move us away from loving God. Yet Paul will not allow these enemies to hinder his love for God. If something bad happens to folks in this life, they may tend to blame God, right, and turn from him. If they get cancer, they say, why would God do this to me? So all the troubles of life can become enemies of love for folks. Paul is saying that his life could be turned upside down by tribulations, distress, persecutions, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, 
All the powers of the universe might be unleashed to come after Paul, but he will never let go of his love for God because he knows that God loves him. The gift of sending his son to die for our sins has forevermore convinced Paul of how much God loves and wants him to spend eternity with him. So Paul is not about to let go of that kind of love by allowing some enemy of love to destroy it. And maybe there is a secret here for us that will enable us to learn something about how to deal with our human relationships as we see how Paul deals with all of the enemies that attempt to move him away from loving God. And there are two concepts that Paul presents which suggests why he will never be convinced that God doesn't love him and he will never stop loving God. Number one, he endures everything negative that comes his way. He perseveres through all the hardships and pain that confront him. He doesn't blame God. He doesn't allow those things to come between him and his God. And number two, he remembers the positive things that God did for him. God gave up his son for Paul and all sinners. God treated Paul better than he deserved to be treated. That one act of selfless love has entered the heart of Paul, and it remains. And that one gift enables him to remember God's love when he is challenged by all the troubles of life. Now, if we could apply these two principles when the enemies of love confront us, trying to destroy our relationships, we would overwhelmingly conquer the enemy. The ten most wanted on the FBI list are not going to show their faces in public. They don't want to be captured, and so they try to hide themselves from public view. They may put on a disguise to change their appearance. They will go underground, staying with friends who harbor these fugitives from justice. The enemies of love are no different. They don't always show themselves for what they really are. They disguise themselves as righteousness. They can exist among us, and we don't even recognize them. They stay hidden underground in the hearts of people who harbor them, maintaining their life and existence among God's people. If we are harboring any of these enemies of love, we need to turn them in and not allow them to dwell within us. Think about that. Pray to the Lord and be thankful for all that he's done for us and all that he will continue to do for us. Be safe out there, folks. I love you. God loves you. And I hope to have you back on the program next week. Thank you. God bless. Sending up to sweep away till she'll dawn the better day. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.